Welcome to the Reimagining Mobility podcast series. I'm here with Mike Clement. Mike Clement, thank you. <laughs> Business development are responsible for the heavy duty truck space in the US. So, heavy duty truck, on road, off road, military. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk all day about it, what you're doing. Sure. But maybe one of the burning questions is electrification and fuel cells. So, let's kind of put them together for a moment. Okay. Huge topic everywhere. Yeah. Big topic in heavy-duty truck space as well, on and off-road. What's your take on it? Um, I think there's a lot to be determined in terms of the applications for electrification or fuel cells, regional transportation for battery electric vehicles. Uh, We don't see BEVs being capable of doing uh, long-distance transit. That might be, for the long haul, a bit better suited for a fuel cell application. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's still a, a lot of work to be done in this space, and we see our customers uh, moving forward a lot of advanced research to support that. In the, in the passenger vehicle space, we've seen really a big pickup in, in the U.S. Europe, we've seen it for five-plus years, but in yeah. the U.S., maybe for the last two and a half, three years, a huge pickup in activities that relates to technology development. Vehicles are coming out, right? We can see that now with different announcements from new players, from existing players on their product offering the EV space. Is heavy-duty truck more or less following that same trend? Is it, is, it, is it something new over the last two or three years, or do you see? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, I've been in this role for three years. I would say electrification and fuel cell has been uh, a topic of interest that whole time period. Although I do see it picking up more and more. I think you'll see that the on-highway, the commercial vehicles are going to trail the passenger cars. Probably they're really going to come more into prominence, let's say 2027, Uh as opposed to right now, which we see in the passenger car. So definitely the interest is uh, is picking up. Okay. Do you see the announcement by California by 2035, I believe it is, no more sale of any internal combustion engine powered vehicles, period. Right. You see that as a an additional accelerator for also the heavy duty truck space to maybe go faster than what you just mentioned, or do you see that no, that's already sort of in their minds. The heavy duty truck guys know this is going to happen because we see it in Europe, right? Yeah, no, it's an interesting <laughs> point because I think ultimately regulation is what's going to drive the uh, commercial vehicle segment. So it probably is not going to hurt in terms of advancing electrified propulsion. But I think until some rule like that is put out, let's say carb for heavy duty, medium duty trucks, um, I don't think it'll, it'll push it hearing about passenger cars. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be applicable to commercial vehicles. And then, of course, it'll force them. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the battery technology as it relates to how much capacity you can package somewhere in a truck without making this truck so many tons that it will break bridges and roads and whatever else. Is that one of the issues, which then means once we have solid state battery cells that more powerful, easier to deal with from a thermal management, from a safety, that that will be uh, the next accelerator also then again? Yeah, that certainly will help because the big drawback for a commercial vehicle, it's not always the packaging per se, it's more the weight of the batteries because there's weights on the total truck, including, you know, the cargo that they're Mm -hmm. pulling. 
So as you add more weight down these batteries, basically what you're doing is you're reducing the amount of cargo that they can yeah. transport. So that's really the concern is how do you get the weight down so that they're not sacrificing ultimately transportation frequency mm -hmm. or excuse me, efficiency. Yeah. Is there a concern by that by that industry in general? Also, you know, off highway, forestry, mining, all that stuff. Way bigger than in passenger vehicles. It's all about total cost of ownership. Right? Sure. Is is there concern on how to calculate total cost of ownership in this space? Because we we know about diesel and gasoline engines and how well they last, how many miles or how many hours you can run them. Yeah. But with batteries. Uh, I mean, we have data, but we know we're near half the history of it. Is, is that, in your opinion, a concern that, that this industry can have, could have, or does already have? Yeah, you know, I've had some discussions with some executives from the heavy-duty OEMs, and they struggle with some of the uh, costs that they're seeing uh, from some regulating agencies on what they should be cost uh, for a battery, which they don't see as achievable. Because you're right, at the end of the day, their customer sees that truck as a tool. Mm -hmm. So it's really the, the cost of that truck is is a big, big issue. So to the extent you can get the cost down, it will be helpful. But that's that's a major concern is, is it really financially viable at this mm -hmm. point in time? Mm -hmm. And then when we talk about fuel cells, I mean, fuel cells, it seems like every every five years we talk about it and then it goes away again. I feel personally it is now more here to stay than it ever has yeah. or has more long, longevity now or more traction than it ever has, certainly my 20 plus years in the industry. What is your perspective specifically to that, to that industry? Again, on-road, yeah. off-road, military? Yeah, interesting. Um, you see it in military. I'm not sure how much I see it in off-road. And then on-road, you certainly see it if you look at like a lot of the Super Truck 3 awards that came out. There was a, a couple that were related to fuel cell demonstration vehicles because you, if you think about it, if you have this long haul uh, truck application, say going across the entire United States, you get that fuel cell spun up and running, it can just take off and run for the entire trip. So um, I think fuel cell has a place within long haul transportation and there certainly is a lot more interest in it than when I started even three years ago. Mm -hmm. When you look at the work we do and, and you do and your responsibilities, you, you get to talk to a lot of customers. A lot of customers come to you and say, hey, we have this challenge with this technology. We have this need. Uh, do you have a solution for this? Can you tell me what are the top three like common, let's just mm -hmm. say themes, not necessarily technologies maybe or technologies, mm -hmm. but certainly themes. Is it, oh, we don't know how to test or, hey, we have no idea how to come up with a concept or... Now we come up with a concept, but now we need a we need a battery or an inverter, or we need software, and we don't have enough people, or we don't have to know how. Yeah, if we're, if we're specific towards electrification, <laughs> and I would say like, general. I was going to say even other technologies mm -hmm. like autonomy. I mean, human resources is just a major constraint. There's not enough uh, engineers out there. If you think about it, who really have experience, let's say in electrification or ADAS mm -hmm. or autonomy, the, sure. the topics haven't been around long enough. Uh, so there's a, real, there's a real push for getting those human resources. And most customers know they'll make statements like, well, we're all fishing from the same pool, right? So they understand that that's yeah. what goes on. So clearly is that. I think from a uh, testing, from an electrification perspective, I think customers are pretty good with that. Mm. Uh, interesting, maybe not so much in autonomy. I could see there being a big need for developing testing plans for autonomy. Okay. 
Okay. When we're talking about hybrids, I just always remember it was it was big and still is big in Europe, never really relatively speaking to Europe, caught up in the US or caught yeah. on in the US. Right. A lot of talk when I talk to technical experts in our organization, they still strongly believe, at least for the heavy duty truck space, hybrids make a lot of sense. Yeah. At least until we bridge that gap of lighter batteries with much higher capacity at much lighter cost, right? Sort of the, the holy grail that we're all waiting for right. moving towards. What is your take when you talk to customers? Is there still talk about you know, hybrids or is this kind of... No, I really don't see much on that. I mean, for a while there were some 48 volt you know, mild hybrid types of projects being yeah. developed, but I really don't come across that much. I think what could be going on is the customers are saying, look, if I'm going to do an advanced R&D project, I'm going to put my money towards the long-term solution, which they see as like a BEV or a fuel cell. Yeah. Um, so I, I just don't see a lot in a hybrid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How much development is there still going on in diesel engines? Mm. I mean, passenger vehicles we always talk about and we, we feel sometimes when you read the news or listen to the news and the media, it's dead. Nobody's touching anything anymore. We know differently. Uh, still lots going on in that space because clearly not that. There's still advancements being made, improvements being made, efficiency, uh, lower NOx, lower emissions, greenhouse gas, all the all the environmental and sustainability related topics. Yeah. How, how is that in with heavy-duty trucks? I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't foresee heavy-duty trucks being replaced as fast as passenger vehicles with, let's say, EVs just because right. of the... The cost of the asset, it is an asset, the total cost of ownership, the, the sheer volumes of, of miles that many of them have to drive. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't see a whole lot in the um, diesel development. Now, some of that could be because you think the heavy-duty customers, a lot of their engine development is done over in Europe, right? So the Daimlers, the Volvos, and you know, MAN, and Scania, and so forth. Uh, I, we do do, I think, some work with some the North American, let's say, centric um, heavy-duty OEMs or Tier 1 suppliers such as Cummins. Uh, what's interesting is I've seen a lot of interest in the past year in hydrogen combustion. So not diesel, uh-huh. but if, I think if you get into <laughs> alternative fuels and specifically hydrogen combustion, there's a lot of interest in that. And so we're, we're pushing on a couple of projects there. Okay. Anything in biofuels or synthetic fuels as well? Because, I mean, this has always been a topic, again, kind of comes and goes and comes and goes. I see it in Europe now again. Again, I think somewhat triggered by the Ukraine crisis and the challenge of getting oil from Russia and gas and all that. Yeah. That comes up again. But I've never really seen traction in this country here. No, and I haven't seen it either. So I don't know why that is. Maybe it will pick up. But um, no, I haven't seen much. And why do you see, or why do you believe it's hydrogen engines? Because we have an existing engine base, and instead of coming up with a brand new uh, fuel cell system that's costly or all that stuff, let's find an intermediate step, sort of okay. like hybrids at the beginning. Yeah, I think it's a great bridge technology, personally, right? Okay. If you're going to have to <clears throat> move towards ultimately long-term fuel cell, well, you need to have infrastructure set up in place. So maybe you can sort of cut that investment in half by saying, Okay, you got to put the infrastructure in the field, but at the same time, we can leverage the existing, let's say, in-vehicle technology, those engines. It's, I think it's relatively simple to transfer from a diesel to hydrogen. 
as opposed to going from a diesel to an electrified propulsion. Okay. So I think it could be a great uh, bridge technology. There's also some ways that Europe looks at it from a regulatory perspective versus North America that may make it uh, a bit more um, attuned towards European applications at first, at least. Okay. When you, when you look at tools, talking mainly simulation tools, virtual, virtual design, virtual calibration, virtual validation, all of those things that we are quite heavily involved with too. What do you see in the heavy duty truck space? Uh, they certainly have a need for it. We know that. Yeah. But what do you see in the new frontier as it relates to virtual tools in, in the heavy duty truck space? Well, what do you see that they're going to need in, let's say, three to five years in the midterm? Yeah, interesting. I would say certainly thermal simulation for uh, battery, electric, and fuel cell applications. Mm -hmm. We already see a lot of interest in that right now. Um, to the extent you get into some type of simulation or data analytics for doing range of electric vehicles. And then certainly for any autonomous application, I mean, there's, there's numerous applications in terms of generating use cases and, and running loads of simulations in order to avoid the expensive work of having a truck out in the field that's autonomous, let alone the safety concerns of going uh -huh. out with the real world before you've done all your simulation kind of homework up front. Okay. Switching industry segments a little bit, so not heavy-duty trucks, but let's go excavators, bulldozers, mm. those types of equipment, construction equipment maybe. Yeah or forestry, mining, those areas. What's, what's there to come as it relates to electrification and fuel cells? What, what, what do we see? What do you see dealing with those, those Yeah, I, you uh, get interest in sort of, it's, it's almost like a point source pollution, like zero emissions in a specific zone. If you think of like a, a city says, hey, within my boundaries, you need to be a zero emission. So that's what I think would drive like the push towards electrification for uh, like a piece of construction equipment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, outside of that, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of uh, demand. Um, certain mining applications, you can get into autonomy and electrification. Okay. Uh, but that's what I see now. But you see, again, it's more or less driven by regulation. Uh, that Probably regulation, but I could actually see that being driven to the extent it's a pseudo-regulation where cities say, I want my construction equipment to be zero emission. Mm -hmm. So I guess that would be regu regulation, but I think of it a little bit different. It's okay. a little bit of a market demand also. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you see the roles, in your opinion, the roles and, and, and future outlook of the startups in this space? I mean, we see mm -hmm. startups like... Um, the ones that came out four or five yeah. years ago, now we see new ones again on the horizon. Then yeah. we see startups in the in the autonomous space, right, right? That essentially sell technology that theoretically you plug into an existing truck and should do its thing a whole lot more complicated. We, we both know that, but yeah. What what do you see the the startup scene in the in the heavy duty truck space? Uh, what what's going on there? Yeah, I could see like a Tesla <laughs> if you'd still consider them to be a startup if they were to come out with a heavy duty truck or Nikola come out with their trucks. They're 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 doing the full vehicle, including the propulsion system, from an electric vehicle standpoint. Uh, maybe to a lesser extent, some other startups doing that with fuel cell. I'm not sure if they'll ultimately get to the point where they're doing a full vehicle or just focusing on the, the fuel cell system. And then from an autonomy standpoint, that seems to be more where you get the 
startups that have the compute platform or they have a certain specialty in perception or something along those lines, uh, then they're going to become a supplier or a partner to a traditional mm -hmm. uh, heavy-duty OEM. So I think a little bit of a difference there. Um, I'm not sure how many autonomous startups are going to be also developing trucks, possibly. I think they'll probably be more partner, though. Okay. Okay. And if you had to give an idea of when do we truly see level five, not level four, but mm. level five, autonomous, heavy-duty truck, yeah. long haul, not last-mile delivery, so not... You know, Amazon delivering my package from a five miles away distribution center. I'm not saying that's easy, but it's still, I consider that a level four yeah. geofenced area. But truly level five, heavy-duty truck transportation. Uh, when, when do you I see don't know. I don't really have a guess on that, but I would sort of <laughs> caveat that by saying I would say you would think of like a hub-to-hub -hub on a highway. I would consider that like a level four. So the I do as well, yeah. operational, yeah. the ODD would be... The highway, so it's not quite a level five per se. I'm sure there'll be constraints on the uh, design domain. So when do you but, see that then mm, in your opinion? I mean, we see well, some already announcing it that they're doing correct. it, but it's always the fine print or the the. the, the it's the one hidden. of my questions for so I'm on the autonomous and platooning uh, panel, or I'm the moderator, and that's one of at my Convec. questions of the panel at yeah. Convec. Yeah. yeah, I could see it so. Four or five years from now. I mean, it's still years. a little okay. hard for me to get my head wrapped around that there's going to be a, you know, 80,000-pound truck going down the highway fully autonomous. But um, Because of your driving or yeah, because yeah. of the autonomous <laughs> truck driver? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's, I would say probably, I, I find it hard to believe in less than, you know, four years. Yeah. Yeah. And if you had to do a guess for a level five? Oh, I don't know. I think that's way off. I don't. I mean, I don't even know. I assume the past cars will lead that. I don't know where that's at. I think is I've been, I've been using to... about ten years out for the last three or four years, honestly. Yeah. You know, because I, I, we're definitely getting closer and closer. But I still feel like we're still very much in a. We're getting much more comfortable. Very comfortable with level three. We're definitely getting comfortable. You look at a Waymo, for example. You look at a cruise with a level four. A truly level five, right? Mm. And I can say, car, come pick me up here. I get into the car here and I say, okay, drive me to our head of marketing's home, right? Yeah. And he never driven that route and now it's going. Yeah, I, that, I just, seems, that seems far off to me. It, it yeah. still seems, yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm getting at. And then with trucks, I agree with you. It's trucks you have... A huge machinery on a on a highway that can cause some serious serious damage, not just to the person it hits or the car it hits or the or the the facility it hits, but just because of the sheer size and weight, so much yeah. damage and and and. Uh, but you could uh, for trucks too. At the same time, you could get into other you know non highway applications like a drayage application or. The good thing about trucks is a lot of times you can geofence relatively simple, like True. a depot at a truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Or you've seen some mining applications. Yeah. So it's, I, I think it's, there are applications for those level four, but level five would be really difficult. Uh, uh. Last question. If you had yeah. to, again, you've been now in this role for three years. When you started, you saw something, you see something today. What do you think in three years this industry is going to look like? We talked mm. electrification, we talked mm. fuel cell, but what do you think the biggest need of this industry is in three years? Mm. We kind of see the, the needs evolve over the last several years. You went through the COVID. Yeah. Um, 
shutdowns and changes, the industry comes back, demand for trucks is huge, supply chain is a major headache for for every OEM in your space as well. Yeah. What do you see in three years? What do you see their biggest need from a, let's say from a technology point of view? Um, well, I would say the biggest need, one of the biggest issues right now in trucking is um, labor shortages. And there's a lot of other critical issues that are showing up there somewhat related to labor. So in my mind, I think platooning has a real chance of advancing here. I think when platooning first started, people were focused on saving money on the drivers and then getting some fuel economy benefits from the reduced drag. Mm -hmm. I think just to address probably the biggest concern in trucking, which is labor shortage, platooning has an application. So then if your question is what's the technology that we need to support that, I mean, it's the, in some ways, it's the, the V2V communications, which I think is probably addressable. Um, okay. But the the bigger concerns about just the controls of the truck, getting back to your comments about uh, like truly seeing a Lev 5 or a truck driving itself, all of those controls are the biggest um, mm-hmm. uh, the biggest issues. But that's okay. what I think maybe three years from now, you might actually start to see platooning on highways. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks, Mike, for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in again to our latest podcast series. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.